When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From movie set to multiplex, it's the business of film with James Cameron Wilson. My mom always said, life was like a box of chocolates. The force will be with you, always. I'm my number one fan. <laughs> oh, creepy, creepy, creepy. Um, it's Simon Rose here. And you join me for the business of film, where I am joined by James Cameron Wilson, who's going to take us through uh, the UK box office chart, seeing how that's going. It's been a depressing experience for the last few weeks, by and large, James, hasn't it? How is it looking at the moment? It did jump up a couple of weeks ago with Black Adam, but last weekend it dropped, sadly, and it's dropped again much more substantially, I'm afraid, last weekend, because there hasn't really been any new block blusters in the chart i mean there's one new film which we've both seen which we'll be talking about but that only took six hundred and seventy thousand pounds at 258 screens so but there is a massive film opening this weekend wakanda forever so hopefully that will prove uh, beneficial to the box office Let's hope so. so. I think I, I think I saw a one-star review. I didn't read it. But I think oh, I saw stop! One Don't star tell review. me. I am determined to go in with an open <laughs> oh, no, mind. You were, well, it's fine. But then, yeah, uh, as we know, James, you often disagree with um, other critics. Anyway, agree more with the public. Will, so we shall see. I will say this: I did see reading Variety this morning, which is the show business bible from Los Angeles, yeah. that it is in the running for a Best Picture Oscar nomination. Wow. So there. Okay. How intriguing. Well, so how is the box of looking? You say even worse than last week. You're, so yeah. how is it looking? And well, it's it down 34.1%, whereas the previous weekend it was down 14%. So it's not looking good. So number one for the third week running, unsurprisingly, is Black Adam, which made 2 million last weekend down 43%. It's now the seventh highest grossing movie in the DC Extended Universe franchise. And I found it very dull, very boring, very boring, very repetitive, too much punching. Number two, we've got The Singing Crocodile, Lyle Lyle, at number two, as it was last week, down 35%, with a total now of 10.8% million pounds at three you'll be pleased to know simon mm. the banshees of inner sharon is holding oh, incredibly well it's oh, very to good. me it doesn't strike me as a huge mainstream feel-good type of popcorn movie but it's doing really well and it's only gone down 23 percent in I've a very tr- grim week yeah, i've been treated to know whether the same people who watched in Bruges are the ones who are going to it, or whether this is bringing out the people who like a good, intelligent movie that's a little different to the standard sort of superhero blockbuster fodder. It'd be interesting to know what the audiences are like. 
Well, I shall have to ask around because I've got a number of people who are in the film going age, which is reckoned to be somewhere between 15 and 31. Hmm. And I think a lot of them, if they had seen in Bruges, they would have had to have seen it on DVD or Blu-ray. Yes, yes. Because it's going back a little bit. And I'm always surprised how old these films are now and people I know. Oh, I know, um, I know. What? In Bruges? What's that? Yeah. Anyway, it's uh, The Banshees of Inner Sharon, which we both loved, has now got a total of 6.3 million, which is very good indeed for a Brendan Gleeson movie. Yes, uh, I agree. Which is not a Harry Potter film, of course. Yes. At number four, we've got Living which, as I said, made £670,000 at 258 screens. And I know you've seen it, but if you'll bear with me... Of course um, I will. No, I'd be interested yeah. to know what you think. Well, considering the extraordinary catalogue of superlative performances delivered by Bill Nye in his career, it seems remarkable to me that he has yet to receive an Oscar nomination. In fact, only two years ago, I personally nominated him for a Best Actor trophy for his performance in William Nicholson's Hope Gap. I thought he was terrific. I mean, he's terrific in pride. I mean, he's such a good actor. However, all that, it seems, is about to change with his starring role in Living, which is a British remake of Akira Kurosawa's classic 1952 film, Ikuru, updated to 1953 and transplanted to London. We know it's London because the film opens with stock footage of Piccadilly Circus and its environs painted in gaudy colours like a tourist postcard of the period. In fact, the film retains a rather heightened chromatic palette throughout, which gives it an almost surreal ambience. Bill Nye plays Mr. Williams, a stern, aloof figure who toils in the public works department of County Hall in London, to which a stream of po-faced gentlemen arrive off the train from the suburbs in the standard uniform of suit, bowler hat and brolly. I was a bit surprised to see them crossing in line across Westminster Bridge. Yes, as they from Waterloo Station. Yes, I know. I saw, I saw that as well, I know. Which is in the opposite direction. But I know it won't bother viewers in New York or Los Angeles. So you did catch that. Yes, I did. OK. Uh, then once inside that august building, the hierarchy of the Snowy Mountain is swiftly delineated as every worker ant has his or her place. And even as the lofty Mr Williams himself glides down the corridor. He stops and stoops in the presence of Sir James, who all but ignores him. All this is observed from the perspective of the new boy, Mr Wakeling, played by Alex Sharp, who, being naive, is desperate to make a good impression and to brighten up the day with an endless supply of smiles. This, of course, is not encouraged, and the skyscrapers of documents teetering in the entrees quickly establish the proper mood. Gradually, Mr Williams emerges as a character in his own right, a figure of emotional rigor mortis, who, on a visit to the doctor, discovers that he has probably just six months to live. He then does something unthinkable. He takes a day off. 
as he drifts around London, seeing his backyard, as it were, in a valedictory light, he bumps into a humble employee, Miss Harris, who represents the youth he failed to misspend. She is played by Amy Lou Wood, who leapt to fame as Amy Gibbs in Sex Education, now joining many of her colleagues on the bigger screen. Anyway, much like Mr. Williams, Living, scripted by Kazuo Ishiguro, is at pains to shy away from any trace of sentimentality, which gives the film, I think, a a tender frisson. Above all, though, it reinforces the significance of its title, reminding us that every day cannot be replaced and that life can be an adventure for the living. And I'm dying to know what you is that a fair appraisal? It is. It is indeed. I mean, I'm. I, I, it was a melancholy film. I think it wasn't surprised. I was expecting, worried it might have been depressing, and it wasn't. It was melancholy with tinges of, of of delight. I could have done with a little more attention to plot. I mean, without going into it, there there were. It's a vignette, really, isn't yes, it? Yes, there were large stretches of the film. We just thought, but surely somebody would have said something. Um, I also wasn't quite sure what the little scene in or the sequence involving Tom Burke was really all a, all about, but I enjoyed it immensely. Perhaps a little, so I thought it was slightly more sentimental than you did towards the end, but I thought it was great. It's watching a wonderful actor give one of the best performances he's ever given. And, and it's wonderful that the Americans are snapping it up and he's getting all this Oscar buzz because they must have been aware of him for years, but this wonderful. is a leading role. It's certainly, if and anybody he's... liked Remains of the Day, I think they were like this. It, 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 although I realise that was not actually written um, by him, just based on his book, whereas um, he's actually written the film in this occasion, it still has that same old-fashioned, buttoned-up... We're talking about Ishiguro, British, of course. Yeah, British sort of personality. But I thought it was the, the period was beautifully done. I'm not sure oh, yes. County Hall could ever have been quite that inefficient, because after all, they, they were rebuilding I mean, London after the war. Wasn't it? Yes, very Kafkaesque. Um, but so well done. I, I mean, not it's, it's not a fantastically long film, but I mean, it, you know, you do wish it had gone on for longer. Well, I know, but there are little elements of humour I liked for when they all arrive at Waterloo and Alex Sharp wants to sort of move ahead and the other man sort of puts an umbrella <laughs> against yes. his chest. So Mr yes. Williams goes first. Everything is done in a particular way. But as you say, yet another person from sex education, because um, you've mentioned Emma Mackey in, in Emily and um, Connor Swindells, who's in this great SAS um, uh, rogue heroes on TV at the moment. Quite extraordinary. They're all getting Asa Butterfield can be seen, obviously, yes. in Flux Gourmet at the moment. Yes. I mean, he's had an amazing career. Of course, yeah. play, taking the title role in Martin Scorsese's Hugo, among many other things. Yes. So they're all doing incredibly well. I mean, I think it's absolutely fan- fantastic. It's, I just hope yeah, it it's really interesting. We, we, yeah, I'm, I, worried, I'm worried for the future of sex education. They're all going to be too important to go back to it. Well, I know. Um, as you know, I'm only just watching the first series, but every time I watch it, I think, ah, of course, he's in the film I've yes. just seen yes. starring. And oh, wow. It's, it's like when I first saw The Outsiders. Do you remember g- going way back? Long time back, yes. And they were all unknown actors. And you just saw one after the other, Patrick Swayze and Tom Cruise. Yes. Well, James, that's probably a good moment for us to take a a break. I realize I haven't got all the way through the shot. We're only at number um, four, but let us briefly pause for breath. From movie set to multiplex, it's the business of film with James Cameron Wilson. 
This is Simon Rose. You're listening to the Business of Film Indeed. And James Cameron Wilson is with me. So, James, number number five. Our living is a, a big plus from both of us, isn't it? A, a very it, it, intelligent, it's, it's yes. good... Much like the Banshees of Inner Sharon, it should probably appeal to the same demographic, yeah. I would have thought. Okay. I agree. Unlike the next film, which is uh, the 15th feature in the franchise, uh, showing at 289 cinemas, which is absolutely massive. One Piece film, Red which is an animated musical action adventure from Japan about the world's most beloved singer, Uta, who is about to sing live for the very first time. The hairs on the back of my neck are going up at the anticipation of this. Um, I should point out that although this is the 15th feature in the franchise, this is the first one actually to be released it's theatrically in cinemas in this country, which is why I haven't heard of it. At number six, we've got Pray for the Devil, another film about demonic possession, down 58%, I'm glad to say, with a total of £1.7 million. At seven, we have Smile, down a massive 46%, with a total of 11.1 million quid, which for an 18 certificate film, that is not attached to a franchise or any known property is very surprising. Also surprising, in a good way, is Triangle of Sadness, which was at number 10 last week, has gone up to number 8. It's at the box office, percentage-wise, it's gone down 2%, which with a total now of 690,667, which is extraordinary, for a two-and-a-half-hour Swedish film, albeit now being tipped by Variety again, for a Best Picture Oscar nomination. And Ooh. I have seen it twice. I shall probably see it again within the next two weeks before it disappears. Well, that's impressive, James. I, I confess the running time put me off slightly um, when I was looking for something to go and see. But perhaps I shouldn't. Mainly, why? I suppose, why? It... Why are we against? Because it's interesting. Because we binge watch Netflix. We sit there for hours and hours and hours. And then you go up to the cinema and you're paying decent money. Why does two and a half hours set you back? I think the annoying thing is you're never quite sure how long the stuff going before the film is going to be. Which I. Well, sometimes isn't at sometimes my cinema. I know it's miss. twenty-five. Ah, oh, yes. We see. I go to different cinemas, being in in okay, yeah. in London, and it isn't always the same. Twenty is about the average. Twenty-five minutes. You know, I'd I'd hate to miss it. I don't want to get a bad seat, but at the same time, I really don't want to have to sit through what will be almost exactly the same ads as I've sat through before, with lots of trailers that I don't want to see because if I want to see the film, I don't want to see the trailer first. I find it just insufferable. I'd pay more for a ticket if they just got on with a blasted film. Frankly. Okay, no, fair rant, enough. Rant over. Okay, I will try right. and go. Everybody tells me it's wonderful. I must go. Number nine, we have Barbarian, which was at number eight, down 48%, uh, 48% in spite of excellent reviews, with a total of £891,000. At number 10, we've got Ticket to Paradise, down 18%. And it's seventh week, so it's holding pretty well, with a total now of £9.5 million. Pounds. So um, I would like to recommend, well, I would draw your attention to a couple of films which are now streaming. Okay. One is, well, just two years ago, I finally caught up with the Oscar-winning classic All Quiet 
on the Western Front, 90 years after it was released. Lewis Milestone? Milestone? Did he make it? Lewis Milestone. Absolutely right, yes. Now, obviously, I'd heard much about it, but I was still surprised by the effect it had on me as the jubilant youth of Germany marched into hell on the front line. Some of the acting was a bit on the wide-eyed side, and the accents wouldn't pass muster today. But it is still a powerful anti-war treatise, and much of the footage was later recycled, actually, in various war documentaries. Then, 49 years later, there was the TV movie, directed by Delbert Mann and starring Richard Thomas. And now we have the first German adaptation of Eric Maria Remarque's 1929 classic novel, currently showing on Netflix and being tipped for the Best International Feature Oscar. Well, I will cut to the chase. It's a masterpiece. It's harrowing. But unlike many war films I have seen since the advent of miraculous CGI, it is not gratuitously so. It looks stunning and opens with a moment of extreme quiet, the camera staring at a stunning conifer-lined landscape in which a distant haze of smoke can be seen hovering in front of a darkened mountain. Between the trunks of trees, we see a mist hanging in the air. Or is it smoke? And then we cut to the lair of a vixen who is suckling her cubs in the blissful quiet, just far enough away from the Western Front. To recap, German and French forces have been struggling to hold a few hundred metres of land for three years at the cost of three million lives. We first meet our protagonist, Paul, marking the film debut of the Austrian actor Felix Kammerer, as he is teased by his school friends for staying tied to his mother's apron strings. His parents are reluctant for him to sign up, so coerced by his mates, he forges his own father's signature on the sign-up form and then is treated to a bellicose pep talk by a school official. In years to come, he bellows, you will be judged on what you dared to become today. My friends, you're fortunate to be living in great times. And so Paul becomes a part of the iron youth of Germany. It's hard to believe that over a hundred years ago, they had such sophisticated machines of human destruction or indeed that such carnage was allowed to happen to so many human beings in Europe. I have read the letters that my uncle sent home from the war. He was killed on the front in 1918. And I know there is no exaggeration in all the grisly spectacle that the CGI here can show. What is particularly effective is the contrast delineated between the extravagance enjoyed by the superior officers and the deprivation of the schoolboys, because they are schoolboys, as Paul risks his life to steal an egg because he is starving to death from a farm. An officer is complaining about the pastries served him aboard a luxury train. Directed by the West German filmmaker Edward Berger, All Quiet on the Western Front, 
is without doubt one of the great anti-war epics, right up there with Oh, What a Lovely War, The Russian Come and See, Stalingrad from Germany, Saving Private Ryan, and 1917. I know a number of people who have seen it on Netflix. I'm talking about normal human beings, not film critics, and they all agree with me. And it's available to Marvel at on Netflix now. And made by them, so presumably can be around for quite a while. But you talked about it being up for a foreign language Oscar, but it hasn't been released in cinemas, has it? Sorry, it has been it? released in cinemas. Has it? Where? Yes. Oh, okay. I don't know in... which particular cinemas, but I know I it's know... some film festivals, but I wasn't aware it had actually been released. I thought the rules were it had to have a cinema release in order to. I know somebody, a friend of mine, who went to see it at a cinema oh, okay. in London, oh, and it was okay. sold out, and he couldn't get in, and he was very upset. It was on the London Film Festival. That I didn't think that sort of counted. Um, but maybe I, got, I was wrong then. Maybe it, ha- it has been released. I just haven't realised. Well, James, know, we haven't got very well, long left. So you want to talk about another streamer, I think, as well, don't you? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, this is a film called Causeway. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence um, is one of the finest actors. Oh, I read about this. Yes. OK. Of, of her generation. But it, it's been a while since we've seen her carry a film worthy of her talents alone. All I can say is that I hope she was well paid for such movies as as Dark Phoenix and Red Sparrow. But here she not only invests her considerable talent, but her clout as a producer, as her own company, Excellent Cadaver, helped to set up Causeway, Causeway with a first-time director, Lila Neugerbauer. And the film was played with the production pro- problems as filming in New Orleans first had to be abandoned in 2019 because of Hurricane Barry, and then again a year later because of the pandemic. So filming finally resumed and was completed last year. Lawrence plays Lindsay, who at the beginning of the film is catatonic. We just see the back of her unmoving head, accompanied by the sound of distant traffic. Then when a woman approaches and introduces herself, she doesn't respond. Then a man in uniform walks behind her and starts pushing her towards a building across the street. And for the first time, we realise that she is in a wheelchair. In the next few moments, she still doesn't speak, as if lost inside her own head and appears to be unable to complete the simplest tasks, even cleaning her own teeth. Causeway is not the sort of movie that spells out its agenda, but so we have to pay attention. And gradually we discover that Lindsay was in Afghanistan and is suffering from a cerebral hemorrhage. She is in a military rehabilitation centre as in, and is in the eminently good care of Sharon, beautifully played by the veteran American actress Jane Howdyshow. In fact, the film is full of wonderful performances where each player is allowed his or her space to breathe and think. As Florence Pugh said on Radio 4 last week, for her, the best part about performance is the space between the lines when the audience waits for what is about to come out of your mouth. Obviously, Jennifer Lawrence and Florence Pugh are hewn from the same cloth as they are able to convey so much with a look, with a question in the eyes. Um, I think fans of superior acting will love this, but many might find it rather self-indulgent. And with practically every major character sitting in the diversity camp, there is an air of box ticking, which I think pushes itself a little too far. And I think if it weren't for the recent spate of superior movies I have seen of late, I would have rated this very highly indeed. And it's a very promising debut for the stage director, Lida Neugebauer.
Thank you, Jason. Where can people see that? Uh, it's streaming now on Apple TV+. Plus. Apple TV+. Plus. Thank you very much indeed. Well, that's it for this week. Amazing. Well, we've both seen the same film. That doesn't often happen. I will try and go more often. Certainly living does restore one's faith in cinema. James Cameron Wilson, thank you very much indeed. James will be back with more Box Office next week where he hopes that uh, it will perk up somewhat. James, thank you very much indeed. Uh, we will be back with more of the business of film at the same time next week. All my life I've been waiting for someone and when I find her, she's she's a fish. You're tearing me apart! Why so serious? Something.